as we've uh, taken the time to focus on being grateful and on the things in our lives that we have to be thankful for and that we need to be thankful for, we're all forced to the realization that we truly are a blessed people. Every one of us are blessed much beyond anything we deserve. We're forced to that conclusion. There's a very good reason for God to command in the scriptures over and over again to be thankful. Like, for example, Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. The reason we need to be deliberately thankful and deliberately choose to be thankful is to keep our perspective straight. That perspective that God has blessed us way over and above anything that we deserve. We need to keep that perspective. If we start thinking that we deserve this or that, or if we start thinking we really deserve better than what we have, very soon we become entitled in our thinking and start thinking that God owes us something. And, and that is just downright sinful. So we need to focus on our blessings and make the choice to do that every day. And we just did that here today. We're going to do something today that we've never done before in this church, or at least since I've been here. And that's, uh, wow, that's longer than any of you. So <laughs> all our old timers aren't here this morning. <laughs> but what we're going to do this morning, we're going to combine Thanksgiving and communion. Uh, likely, if it would not have been for COVID, uh, I would have never thought of doing this. Sorry, Chris and Bonnie, you were here before I was. <laughs> and so was Shauna, right. I'm sorry, I just, um, <laughs> my apologies, I get the, uh, whatever. <laughs> but if it wouldn't have been for COVID, we would have probably never thought of doing communion and Thanksgiving together on the same service. Uh, but I've got to thinking, we haven't done communion since uh, we shut down back in March. Uh, so we're overdue for that. And we can't have a potluck meal because of COVID, but we can do the Lord's Supper. And really, when you think about what communion is all about, it does fit with Thanksgiving very well. There is one gift that God has given us that is way over and above everything else that was mentioned here this morning. Uh, all the things that were mentioned here this morning are, are good and right, and we need to thank God for their blessings from him. But there is one gift that God has given that is way over and above everything else that was mentioned here this morning. And that gift is so huge that if that gift was all we had, it would still be enough to cause us to be eternally grateful. Or at least it should be. And what I'm talking today about is the gift of God's grace, which he extends and offers to each one of us. Specifically, his grace in offering forgiveness for our sins and cleansing from our sin and his gift in paying for our sin in our place. That's his huge, friends. That's huge. Even if we're, we were like Job 
and of everything that we had, everything that was mentioned here this morning in our, in our praise time, if everything that was mentioned, if we were in Joel's place, that was all stripped away from us, and we would lose everything we would own, if we would lose all our children, if we would lose our health, and our spouse would turn against us, if we still had that grace of God given to us, it would, we would still be blessed way over and above anything we deserve. So that's what I'd like to focus on for the next few minutes. A huge problem with the attitude of most in our society today, including a lot of us from time to time, including me from time to time, is that idea that we are basically good people. We are basically good people. No, we're not perfect, but we're pretty good. We are pretty good. You see, we have a soft view of sin. Our sins aren't that bad, really. Uh, the sins I struggle with really aren't that big a deal. That, that's the thinking. I fall into that thinking from time to time. Most of us do. That's definitely the thinking of the society around us that we live in. But that's a huge lie. All sin, any sin, is hell-deserving. And the wrath of God against sin is more intense than anything we can imagine. We need to understand that. And then when we understand the enormity of our sin, we can better understand the amazing grace of God. And better understand why that alone is enough to make us utterly and eternally grateful and thankful. To help us understand this, I'd like to paint a picture for you. Not literally. <laughs> Mentally, verbally. And I'd like you to look at this passage that Brad read for us. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7. So if your Bibles aren't there, turn your Bibles there. The picture I'd like to paint is kind of taken from that passage. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7. Imagine that you, like Isaiah, described in these verses, imagine you come face to face with God and you see him as he really is in all his glory and holiness and power and purity. You see him as he really is. And when you do that, you realize that God is not some benevolent grandfather in the sky who just winks at sin and says it's no big deal. You look at him and you realize, no, no, that, that's not what I'm seeing here. This is God. This is the all-powerful, all-holy, all-pure God. This is the God who can't stand sin, whose fury against sin is intense. And you are now face to face with him, like Isaiah in these verses. And it only takes one glimpse to realize his greatness, his total purity, his perfect holiness. And at the same time, you come to the realization that it is now blatantly obvious that you are sinful to the core. There's nothing like seeing yourself next to a holy, pure, and sinless God that reveals how, exactly how utterly sinful and evil you are through and through. 
good illustration of that is snow. You get a snowfall early in the winter and uh, kind of sticks around for a bit. Don't get any snow for a while. The snow is there. Snow is white, right? Snow is white. Anybody seen snow? It's white. You see the snow. It's sitting there in snow banks for a month or two. Just sitting there. It's all white. The white snow. You see the white snow. Then you get another snowfall. And then you realize, oh, that snow that came last month, compared with the new snow, <laughs> that snow is dirty. It's not white at all. That's the picture. You think you're pretty good, but you compare yourself with God. The pure holiness of God. You realize how utterly dirty and sinful you are to the core. And it becomes very clear as you are now looking at God and you realize that truth, how dirty and sinful you are, becomes very clear that you deserve nothing less than eternal damnation and misery in hell. That's what you deserve. It's clear. Isaiah responds when he saw that. He said, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm done. It's over. What do you do? What can you do? You are powerless before him. You are defenseless. This is God. And you are polluted with the sin that his fury is burning against. And so you cower down before him. You cover your head with your hands. And you try to find a corner to crawl into. To hide from the wrath and the fury you know is coming. But there's no place to go. There's no place to hide before this almighty God. You are exposed and open and bare before God almighty and his wrath against your sin. What will God do? Your guilt and your shame is overwhelming. You can't see anything else. And you feel the blazing wrath of God directed at you. And you cower there, curled up in a fetal position with your arms over your face, expecting the lightning strike of God's wrath that you know is coming. To sizzle you and fry you till you're burned up. And you're curled up there and you hear the hiss through the air as it comes and you flinch with the expected hit. But somehow it hasn't hit you. And you turn your head and you kind of peek in between your fingers and you see something else. Something has come between you and God. And you look more closely and you see it's Jesus. God's only begotten son hanging on a cross and Jesus is writhing in agony on that cross. The lightning has just struck him. Another lightning bolt of God's wrath hits him and another and another. And you see Jesus jerk and flinch and cry out in agony as he absorbs the blows of God's wrath. Crying out in excruciating pain, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you keep looking. And you cower there in the corner. And then you hear God say, it's enough. And then you hear Jesus cry from the cross, it is finished. 
And you kind of uncurl yourself and you look more closely into the face of God. And you see him. The pure, holy, perfect, sinless God. You see him look at you. With pure love and acceptance coming from his eyes. And suddenly Jesus is standing beside him. God the Father, God the Son, side by side. And they stretch out their arms. Jesus has nailed pierced hands. And they say, come. And you crawl up to God like a little puppy with your tail between your legs. To be scooped up and held close and tight by God himself. And you hear Jesus say, The price of your sin is paid. You are now my child and will be with me for all eternity. slowly relax knowing that you're forgiven knowing that you're cleansed and you are loved by almighty God his wrath against your sin has been taken by Jesus the price has been paid and God is satisfied and he holds you close the theological term for all of this is propitiation that the wrath of God against our sin was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Propitiation. And that is all God's grace to you and I, friends. We deserve none of it. And because God loves us with a love that is even stronger than his wrath, he chooses to extend his grace, which is greater than all our sin. And to sacrifice himself so that he can give us forgiveness and cleansing and eternal life when we make the choice to accept it and go to him. To be held by him. That's God's grace to us. We need to understand this. Friends, we need to understand this. And when we do, we will understand that even if we have nothing else, and God's grace is all we have. It is enough for us to be utterly and eternally grateful and thankful for all eternity. As we celebrate Thanksgiving, this is what we need to be the most thankful for. Communion is about remembering. Remembering Jesus' body given and broken for us. Remember that body that took those blows of God's wrath for us. It's about remembering Jesus' blood poured out to pay the price that our sin demands. Deliberately remember so we will never forget. And remind ourselves of God's grace and how thankful we need to be for it. And that grace of God is extended to each one of us. Just like the picture I painted when, after it was over, when God stretched out his arms and said, come. And you come to be held 
close by God. You got to come. At that point, that's the choice we have. Don't turn away. You've got to come. And you do that by realizing the truth of all of this and owning up to your sinfulness and asking forgiveness and going to him. And I've never done that. I pray that each one of you will do that before the service is over. So with that in mind and with that picture in our minds and with our hearts brimming with thankfulness, let's, let's come to the communion service the communion table. We don't have the table here this morning like we usually do. Uh, so just, I'm just going to give you a few words of explanation as to how this is going to work. Um, first of all, communion is open to anyone and everyone who have made the choice to accept Jesus as their Savior, to repent of their sin, place their faith in Jesus, and come to him as, invite him into your heart as your Savior. It's open to all who have done that. So if you've done that, you're certainly welcome to partake of the communion service. If you're here this morning, you've never done that. I encourage you just to kind of sit and watch. Uh, this is kind of like a, like a little sermon in picture form of the sacrifice of Christ. Sit and watch. Let God speak to you through it. And maybe even as, while you're watching, uh, be a good time to, in your heart, turn your heart to the Lord and invite him into your heart to be your Savior. Um, some people are very ingenious when it comes to how to do things. So to keep COVID rules, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're, we purchased these uh, little self-contained little communion things. And so what they are, uh, there's two layers to them. So you peel off the first layer, uh, and that'll open up the little wafer, uh, which is representative, of course, of the body of Christ. And then you peel off the next layer, and there is uh, the juice, which represents the blood of Christ. So that's how, that's how that works. So when it comes time to partake, that's how you do that. Um, and so by, by the COVID guidelines, here's, here's how it's going to work. Um, uh, when the time comes when I give the signal, I'm going to ask one representative from each family to come and get enough, uh, come up to the front and get enough of these for however many in your family are going to participate. So just one from each family, and don't come all at the same time, so we can maintain our uh, our distance. So uh, when I give that signal, uh, we'll do that. The music team is going to lead us in singing while while all that is happening. So while they're singing, you guys can come and, uh, and one one from each family, one representative from each family, come and get enough for for your own family. And uh, then after we're done, we're all set it sat back down, and the worship team is finished singing. Then uh, uh, we'll carry on, and I'll give instructions for that. So, worship team, come and lead us in singing. And while they're singing, I'll ask one representative from each family to come and. Promise made that all who come in faith 
music team. going to ask our elders, uh, Brad Rempel and Jeremy Peters, to come and join me at the front here. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, 
regarding the communion service. Uh, they were having some issues in that church, and Paul wrote to give them some instructions about this. And, uh, and this is what he says to that church. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this, pardon me, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we are just obeying the instruction from our Lord. We need to remember this. And the reason we need to do this is so we will remember. We won't forget as we've already gone through. The bread. That's that little wafer you have. That, that, that's a picture of the body of Christ. That's the picture of that body that hung on the cross. And that took all those blows of the wrath of God that was supposed you were supposed to get. But Jesus intercepted it. His body intercepted and took it for you. His body given for us. His body broken for us. That's what that wafer represents. So I'm going to ask Brother Brad Rample to return thanks for the bread representing the body of Christ. Uh, and then we'll partake of my signal. Okay, so you can peel back that first layer and take out that wafer. The body of Christ given for you. Brother Jeremy Peters could return thanks for the juice representing the blood of Christ.
Peel back the next layer. so freely and so for us who deserve it so 